Grab your hard seltzer, a glass of wine, or a shot of tequila. It's time for Girl Talk. Let's get real. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 22. 22 Yay, 22. 22. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. Very nice, Cheryl. <laughs> Thanks. I, I do have an inner Taylor Swift. <laughs> It only comes out, you know, on special occasions. Well, I am about to embarrass my daughter and her boyfriend royally at an upcoming concert this next weekend because I'm going, wait for it, Dromo, please. I am going to go see New Kids on the Block, Salt and Pepper, Rick Astley, and In Vogue. Nice. With, with them? Yes. All that's of them. Yeah, fantastic. That's yeah. gonna be great. I am dressing in the 90s. I'm either gonna have like you know the the stud in one ear and the big earring in the other ear. I'm going full Gen X. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Full Gen that's that's gonna be fantastic. Are they oh, also? Um, don't know. I suggested it. If they choose to do so, that's great. If they don't, then that's fine. I'm just going to represent and probably embarrass the living hell out of them and don't even care. That's okay. All the other moms will be dressed just like you. <laughs> exactly. I'm so excited. I have always wanted, so I have always wanted to see all of, all of these. Um, and especially new kids on the block. I, I, I'll be honest. My mom was really good. Cause she was, you know, in bands growing up and she was a singer. Um, uh -huh. so I've, was always allowed to go to concerts and I've been to probably a hundred, if not more concerts in my life. So I'm not, I, I'm a concert brat, but these, uh, this group of people I've never seen. And I grew up on salt and pepper. You and I know salt oh, and yeah. pepper, they are my jam. So I'm going to be singing every freaking word to every song and just embarrassing the hell out of my kid. And that is awesome. Have yes. so much fun. Oh, I uh, I have only seen new kids out of all of that that music that you mentioned. And they are still, I saw them a couple years ago, and they are still so much fun live. So you're going to have a blast. I can't wait. I can't wait. And yeah, Donnie Wahlberg was my. Mine too. My gosh. <laughs> I'm so excited. All right. So Cheryl, what are you drinking? Um, today we're day drinking. So we are, we're recording a little earlier than, uh, than usual. So let's get it going. Um, <laughs> I am going with one of our old school favorites. I have a Topo Chico seltzer right now. I recently moved to Florida. I don't remember if I was already in Florida in episode 21 or not. I don't, <laughs> I don't think, think so. so. I don't think so. So I, uh, I moved the camper over to Florida and I haven't been to the store to see what kind of local breweries have ciders or seltzers yet. So I just went with what I had in the fridge. Okay. What about you? What are you drinking? I, I'm drinking our, our go-to Austin East Ciders. This time I'm drinking something different. I've never had this before. And I actually, in all of those ciders, that package that they sent us, uh -huh. I, I left this one for the last because, you know, you always go with your peaches and your blackberries and, you know, whatever. I didn't uh -huh. know that I would like this one. It's the Maker's Stash Imperial Cider. Okay, I, really, I haven't tried that one either. I really like it. Like, it, no kidding. I do. It is really, actually, really good. And for all of my gluten free people out there, it is gluten free. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 
So it is a little fruity. It is a little fruity, but I can't really make out what exactly the fruit flavor is, but it's not, it's, I would say it's more of a, like a champagne feel. Oh, wow. It's it, where maybe it has fruity notes. <laughs> uh-huh. Listen to me being all fancy. <laughs> I know. I was like, geez, don't start with that. Cause I can't keep up. <laughs> it has fruity notes on the end of the, the, <laughs> anyway, keep it straight, right? Does it does it pair well with the Oreos that we frequently eat when we're recording? The Oreos in the sour. The <laughs> yeah, um, it definitely has fruity notes, but I cannot. I'll have to look up and see exactly what's in there. But nice, it's really good. Nice. I highly recommend it. It sounds delicious. All right, so we are talking today. I'll get us started, and then I can let I'll let you run with it um, because you okay. had some really good points to begin with. But um, basically, we're talking about the fact that everyone tends to level up after a relationship, after a divorce, after a breakup. But we kind of wanted to, to discuss that if you're in a health, you're in a healthy relationship that is savable, what would happen, and what do you need to do? to actually level up during that relationship? What would that look like? And what do we think the outcome of that would be? Like, would that change things? Would that save a savable relationship? Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's so common to hear about the, the level up, the glow up, you know, that happens after people get out of a relationship, whether it be a marriage or just a long-term relationship. And, and that gets a lot of attention, but you're right. Like, what are the possibilities of doing that while you're within a healthy relationship that, you know, just maybe having issues for whatever reason. And I just think back to when I was married, every time we discussed fixing things, it was about what I wanted him to fix and what he wanted me to fix. And I don't think we did a whole lot of, well, how do we fix ourselves to be better people? And I, I think that's going to be an interesting discussion because it's, again, I wasn't in a healthy relationship. It, it right. should not have been saved. But mm -hmm. in the case that, you know, people are like, how would it be different if you just turn all of your attention inward and do that glow up, that level up while you're still within that relationship? Exactly. Because, you know, in our divorce community on social media, we see this all the time where the trend tends to be to talk about our glow up after our divorce and uh -huh. we become the better or best depending, you know, the versions of ourselves. But what if we had the opportunity to rewind that and why aren't we becoming the better or best versions of ourselves in a relationship? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of that stems from a lot of the divorce community, at least for us, that we have consistent contact with are, you know, narcissistic or abusive relationships. And so a lot of us were within a, a volatile situation where, you know, when you're in survival mode and fight or flight mode for years and years and years, you're so worried about the next thing that comes out of your mouth, the next decision, the next you know, look on your significant other's face, just so many minute by minute things that are happening that you don't think about taking care of yourself or the stress of that next fight, that next screaming match, that next whatever it is, takes over. Oh, yeah, abs uh, yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. So I 
definitely want to preface this and and let our listeners know that if you're in that kind of relationship, do you still need to work on yourself? Yes, of course. But we understand that you're all consumed with a very toxic relationship. So we want to put that to the side and we want to talk about being in a relationship that is savable, that for the most part is healthy, but perhaps somewhere along the the way it has gotten a little unhealthy because, you know, maybe you've grown apart. Maybe you're so consumed with, you know, other things in your life, like kids or work or, you know, things like that. Maybe you forgot to romance each other, whatever. We're talking about those type of relationships that what can we look back on and see how that we could become the best version of ourselves within that kind of relationship so that maybe, maybe we could have created um, a different scenario and a different ending to that kind of relationship that didn't end in divorce or breakup or whatever. Basically, I guess being proactive, Uh being proactive while in a relationship instead of having your best glow up after. Yeah. Yeah. And just putting yourself first, which I know is something that moms and spouses and significant others, you know, talk about all the time. It's very difficult to put yourself first in any situation, you know, when, when your life is built around taking care of other people, but it's not just about finding half an hour to take a warm bath and put a mask on. It's about that day to day, putting yourself first, checking in with yourself emotionally and taking care of yourself so that you can be your best, not only for yourself, but then ultimately, you know, for everybody in your life. Like what was part of your glow up process after like what, you know, and I'll share mine, but can you give us a little insight into what made up, what was basically what made up your glow up process? What, Mm -hmm. what are those, those key factors that you can pinpoint? Yeah, that's uh, such a, as you know, too, (laughs) such a loaded question. I think, and I've referenced to this before, but I'm going to bring it up again because it's worth restating. When you and I first started talking and you were talking to me about your divorce process and all of that. And and you told me that it took you four years before you started feeling like yourself again. I was like, holy shit, like what, what in the world? But ultimately I went back to that statement so many times because, you know, a few months out, I started realizing how much emotional turmoil I was actually in. And then I start, you know, little by little started understanding more and more why you said four years, like it's, there's a lot when you come out of a, an unhealthy relationship that you have to peel back before you can even start, I think your actual leveling up and and glowing up, whatever we want to call it. Um, So for me, I think I spent probably the first two years just peeling away things that really weren't mine emotions Mm -hmm. that I had developed, uh, personality traits, uh, toxic behaviors, all sorts of things that I had developed over, you know, my 22 year marriage that were coping skills and survival skills and not necessarily true to, to who I wanted to be. So I read a whole lot of books. I listened to a lot of podcasts and I started meditating to really like listen to my mind and realize who I, who I am and, and who I am not so that I could start getting rid of these 
behaviors. And I, I, that took me a long time to unlearn some, you know, defense mechanisms that I had. And then at that point, then I felt like I was actually myself. And then, then I just started learning and learning and learning all kinds of things, uh, whether again, it'd be through books, podcasts, conversations with new people and, and people that I've had in my life for a long time, but new conversations, I guess is the best way right. to put it. So um, just talking about things that were new to me and things that I never considered a possibility in my life. So I would say it was an emotional roller coaster and a lot, a lot, a lot of learning and, uh, and really having some honest ass conversations with myself about how I contributed to issues because it's really easy to be victim and you know say that I was abused for 22 years but I had so many things that I did that I could have done differently that would have been better for me and I I don't know about the marriage like I I can't guess on that but that would have been better for me and yeah, yeah I did a whole lot of that and And then in the process, you know, I I think that comes out, at least in my case, it was an inside out sort of thing. So I just started feeling lighter and feeling happier. And, and, you know, I I hear from people all the time that I look really happy. and, And I think that is just because I feel really happy. And, you know, the physical part of it is just now coming around for me. I think in the last six months or so, I've started eating a lot better and working out every day and taking care of my physical self. But I had so much emotional shit to get through that, that I don't know, I could not wrap my head around the physical part. I couldn't do both at once. And I know it's different, you know, for everybody, but that was a really long answer. No, <laughs> but that's how I got there. <laughs> that was a good answer. I'm also going to keep us real. And uh-huh. everything you said was absolutely correct. But uh-huh. you also I won't say sugar-coated, but because we've talked about it before, how when we came out of our divorces and they were in separate times, so they weren't together, uh-huh. we didn't just go into reading books. Or, well, I mean, you did, but we also have admitted that we went through a phase where we we also became a little bit toxic ourselves even in our behaviors. And maybe that stemmed from the, you know, the relationship issues that we had, Uh whatever, but we kind of hit the ground, you and I specifically kind of hit the ground running, doing things that we hadn't done before. And, and we actually had toxic behaviors and I'll, I'll speak for myself here, but I, I I know you'll chime in. Uh When I got through my divorce, I, I, the healing part of me at first, the very first step I took was I started drinking um, for the first time in 18 years. Um, I didn't do it in a healthy way. I did it in a fuck you way. I did it in Uh a fuck you to everyone who's going to fucking judge me. And so I started drinking in an unhealthy amount. Um, Uh I started, I've said it on here before, I became a bit of a hoe. And I instantly went into dating. I instantly... Because I thought that doing all of those things and taking back my power, I thought that was that. Uh-huh. And so I put myself in into toxic, new toxic behaviors that that I thought I was actually healing and taking back my power. But actually, I was. It's like you said, I was 
shedding some shit, but doing it in the not good way. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's, we didn't just like all of a sudden start meditating and, you know, become the best versions of ourselves. We hit fucking rock bottom. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I did not intend, I, I was just speaking to where my, how my leveling up happened. I didn't intend to state that that was like the day after I filed for divorce. <laughs> no, and oh, I, no, no, I understood no. that. I just wanted our listeners yeah. to understand that. No, you're right. You're right. And actually I would even extend that to say that the first several years were more ugly than they were pretty, <laughs> but uh, those, yeah. agree. Oh yeah. Yeah. But those first few months were the ugliest. I did the same exact thing. I, as I've mentioned before, you know, I, I lost my dad two months before I filed for a divorce. So I was so full of emotion that I, I think I'm drank every afternoon. Yeah. I just would sit on the patio of my new apartment and have a couple drinks. I'm going to say probably daily. And yeah, horribly uh, bad coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. And then I waited an entire two months before I started dating. Mm -hmm. And um, again, like you said, you know, I, I thought, well, if I hit the ground running and just put myself back out there. Yeah. Horrible idea. Horrible idea. I had no idea what I was doing because not only had I not been single for 22 years, but I also, or plus, you know, but I also just ended up looking for, for my husband, my ex-husband in different forms because right. I just hadn't done the healing I needed to do. And so I just, you know, subconsciously went out looking for exactly the person I was getting divorced from. Like, what the hell? <laughs> I agree. I, I think we have to be careful because when we, when we come out of relationships, whether they're toxic as hell and abusive or whether they are just break our heart into, you know, uh -huh. um, because you're sad that it's over and you're, you know, either way, one end of the spectrum to the other, you have to be careful with confusing, taking back your power or not confusing, I guess, I guess, incorporating, taking uh -huh. back your power and self-reflection. Like you, you have to do both. Yes. If you don't incorporate, if you don't take a beat, just stop, take a beat and learn from Cheryl and I, please, dear God, <laughs> take a beat for yourself and take back your power by searching within yourself. Because uh -huh. if you don't heal yourself and fix yourself and learn to love yourself and figure out what your roadmap is on your own fucking journey, you'll confuse everything and you're going to incorporate new toxic behaviors that maybe you didn't pick up in your marriage, but you think that now that's, you know, like I said, it's you taking back your power. You're not going to be in the right mindset to make those decisions. Right. Right. And I didn't realize at that time, you know, fresh off of my divorce, how much baggage, I, I think I just felt so relieved to be free of that day to day emotion and stress and, you know, survival mode, as they call it. I, I was just so glad to be free of that, that I just wanted to, to run with it and have fun and do all the things. But I didn't have t any idea how damaged I was and how many layers of crap I was holding on to. And that was influencing everything I was doing at that time. So if I would have paused, worked on myself, and like you said, you know, simultaneously do the things, but 
also just be aware of what I'm doing. Cause I, I really, I was clueless. <laughs> oh, uh, me too. A hundred percent. And, and uh -huh. I think that is what we want listeners to get out of this episode more than anything. Is right. that you have got to take a beat. You've got to stop and you've got to do some major deep soul searching and self-reflections to see what exactly you need, what, what you need yeah. to feel, what you need to fix, what you want your future to look like, what you want um, your future person to look like, like that is a moment. And now we're talking to, we're talking about those of us who, who do it after the breakup and we'll get uh -huh. back to during a relationship, but right, right, right. This is that, after, right. That is a moment where you have the chance to rewrite your future. Like you uh -huh. literally have the opportunity to be the author of your future, but if you don't take that opportunity and you just jump in and you think, Hey, I got this and, and do all the things that we just said that we did. That's, that's not going to be productive. That, that yeah. actually is going to cause more problems and more harm than good. Um, and take it from us. We learned this and we learned yes. this the hard way. In my case, I was heartbroken. I was heartbroken that yet another person gave up and didn't choose me yet. Another person um, gave up on me. What I should have done was stopped and said, okay, for, forget him because I can't change him. What is saying about what is it saying about me that all of these people are giving up on me and not fighting for me? And, and that is a hard fucking pill to swallow. That's a hard fucking question to ask yourself. And uh -huh. it, it'll knock you on your feet. But I waited like five years before I actually ever asked myself that. But if it had I had I stopped once, you know, all the tears and the emotions and, and taken a moment and said, OK, what can I change about myself? What can I do to make it to where someone doesn't, you know, give up on me? Well, number one, the very first thing that I finally realized was choose the right person for the right reasons. Uh -huh. As much as I loved my ex and I've said before on here, we were best friends for 16 years. It didn't get bad till the, to the last, you know, few years of it. Uh -huh. But I went into that with all the wrong reasons. Even then, uh -huh. even then, even we had three beautiful children. And for the most part, it was a great marriage until the end, until it wasn't. But I still went into it for all the wrong reasons. I still went into it because he was the, the return missionary Mormon that my, my mom always wanted me to marry. And I had dated the complete opposite of him. I still didn't go into it with all of the, the reasons that were, we tell each other not to be selfish, but I should have looked for someone that was perfect for me, not what my mm -hmm. mom wanted to see me with. Right. Right. What, what do I want this health? You know, what do I want in a healthy relationship? I was not in the right mind frame to do that whenever we first started. So if I had taken a moment after this divorce and said, Okay, Bana, what do you want in your next relationship? But no, I didn't. I didn't. I jumped into bed with and on dates and I I became yeah. I became a hoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but those are not questions that we asked ourselves when we were in our early 20s. No, we didn't have it in our face now. Like social media puts it in your yeah. face. We yeah. I, that. And our parents damn sure weren't talking to us about it. No, no. So in retrospect, I, I could see so many reasons why marrying my ex-husband was a horrible idea. But in my 23-year-old mind, 
he was perfect. He checked off all the boxes of what I thought I was looking for. So I think a lot of it, you know, was our maturity level too. And, Mm -hmm. and so now post divorce, now being single again, I would love to say that right away, I was like, yep, now I know what I want because I'm older and mature. (laughs) But no, yeah, I didn't figure that out right away. It took some really awful dates. And one mistake I made, and I would urge anybody who's coming off of an unhealthy marriage to not do this, do not jump right into another relationship. Because I think there are cases where that can work. You're, you're a good case where it worked beautifully. But in so many cases, those of us who come off of an abusive marriage, jump into another relationship that's exactly the same. And then we don't see the red flags because we haven't taken the time to work on ourselves. And when you get into just another horrible situation like that, then you go right back into the cycle of not being able to work on yourself because you're too busy taking care of that other person and all of their emotional baggage. Right. So I would urge most people to wait, wait, work on yourself, date if you want to go have dinner, go have drinks, have a good time, get to know the single world. But as for a relationship, I think it's wise for most people probably to, to wait a little bit. Yeah. And I think you, in there, you said that mine worked out beautifully, but I, I'll be honest. I, and I've said this in, um, the, the true love bond versus trauma bond episode. That uh-huh. we had. I, I, I actually said in that episode that mine worked out beautifully in the end, but it was really not a healthy relationship in the beginning because we formed, but we formed in a trauma bond from both of our traumas. We both were going through traumas and uh-huh. we found, um, some kind of, of, um, comfort in each other's arms. Yeah. It worked out in the end and we're married and I love him and he loves me and he's the best relationship I ever had, but man alive, uh-huh. those first few years fucking sucked. And right. he admits it and I admit it. And it wasn't until we both and this this is this is the perfect segue because it wasn't until we both took a beat and said we've got to do our own soul soul searching we've got to you've got to figure out what you want in this relationship i've got to figure out what i want in this relationship and maybe it's not in this relationship maybe mm. what we truly want is not in each other and when we we actually broke up and separated for a minute and and took some time apart and you actually nurtured me through that whole process where i was devastated but i hated that we broke up and and all i wanted was to cling to that relationship so badly but it gave me an opportunity for the first time ever during a breakup i had a best friend and a sister and a confidant that built me up and made me do some self-reflection and reminded me that this is my journey too. And because of that, by the end of the breakup or, or, you know, us deciding whether or not we were going to move forward with each other, Uh um, I was, I was finally feeling like I had the power to move forward or end myself like end it myself. Like I had Uh that power. I wasn't just waiting on the other person to make the decision for the first time ever. I realized, you know what, this is my relationship and my life too. I have that power and I need to realize you take your time, bro. But I need to figure out if this is what I fucking want. 
Right. And, right. This is not all your decision. Right. And I had yeah. never done that. Even with my divorce after, you know, 20 years, I had never done that with someone. I just waited for them to make the decision while I clung and fought like there was mm -hmm. no tomorrow to save it. But so I, I do owe you a lot of gratitude and, and thanks for being there for me and getting me. Sometimes you and I, that's, I think that's why we work so well together is because we love each other, but we're also not afraid to say, Hey, this is a reminder that this is about you as well. Right. Yeah. Whether that, that is a good or a bad thing, you know, I, I think right. that's one of our strengths is we can call each other out on negative behaviors too. And it doesn't affect our friendship. You know, we just realize that we know each other well enough that if you're bringing it up to me or vice versa, then I know it's something that I need to reflect on because you know me well and you want what's best for me. Right. Exactly. And, and so I'm actually looking back, I'm actually thankful that we took that time apart to figure out what we want. And that's what we're talking about today is that, okay, what if you're in a relationship that is savable and you've reached the edge of the cliff and for whatever reasons, a million reasons, y'all are now at a crossroads. Right. And, and you're one wants to go, you're trying to figure out is one going to go left and one going to go right? Or are we going to, you know, continue on straight together? If it's a savable relationship, this is where both of you takes a minute and does some self-reflection. What if, what if, what would that look like if you became the best version of yourself within that moment, that relationship, so that when you got to those crossroads that are inevitable in relationships, because no relationship is perfect. When you got uh -huh. to those crossroads, you're in a healthy enough state to make those adjustments, make those switches, make those little self tweaks to continue on together. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think that is so important because now being single, that has become, and, and I would say within like the last year, that has become the number one thing that I'm looking for in a future relationship. Does the person that I'm interested in have the ability to be self-aware and reflect on their own actions and want to continue that journey because that type of leveling up needs to continue within a relationship. And it's, it's totally possible. I never had it in my marriage, but I now see through you and your husband and through some growing that I've done that it's absolutely possible to be within a marriage and or or relationship and continue that process of working on yourself and when wanting what's best for yourself because ultimately that just makes you stronger it really honestly does it and to be honest it actually teaches the other person to respect you more it teaches them that that you're a strong person that's going to stand up for yourself uh -huh. that not only are you going to make the adjustments yeah I, i'm willing to compromise and make adjustments to meet your needs as well but bro, I got needs and I have things that I need to be in a healthy relationship as well. So that's going to make them say, you know, damn. And, and if it doesn't make them say, damn, she respects herself. So I need to respect her. Then that's not the uh -huh. person for you. Absolutely. But you're already on the journey to healing yourself. And there's that Southern. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. What are you doing? You on that there journey? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that time I caught myself. 
catch yourself? What the hell did you just say? <laughs> Guys, I am, and it's my goal to get Vina to say what the hell, because <laughs> she is so small town Texan when she says it. it Every single time, it just, I, I have to repeat it. Someday she's going to punch me in the face for how many times I mock her. <laughs> but it's so cute. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. But the, the, at that moment, if that person, if you discover that that person is not the right person for you to move forward with, you've already started the journey of healing yourself. You've already started right. the journey of bettering yourself and leveling up within that relationship so whether y'all move forward together or whether you take a hard right out of that relationship you're already working on yourself so uh -huh. you're either going to better your relationship in your marriage or you're you're bettering yourself period yeah absolutely win -win. It, it is and i think it's again we're just talking about if you're within an otherwise healthy relationship, you know, for whatever reason, things just aren't great right now. I, I think it's so possible for people to fix some issues if they just stop pointing fingers at each other and take some time, you know, just go in your own corner, do your own thing, whether you have to separate or, you know, just kind of back off from each other a little bit, whatever works, but just take that time to look at your own behaviors and how you can better yourself and see how that works. And like you said, if it doesn't, then you're already on the journey for, you know, post-divorce and maybe it'll even make going through the divorce process itself a little bit less stressful because you're, you're already getting stronger. Right. A hundred percent. I agree. So let's talk some, I know we've brought up some a little bit through this, but let's get into some specifics. And I always like to give our readers like ideas because sometimes it's hard. You, you get the concept and you're like, okay, I got to better myself, but what does that look like? Like maybe you yeah. <laughs> what do you just look up at the sky and go, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> Level me up. Is it like a video game where, I mean, maybe it is, yeah. you know, it's like, like a video you. game. You just say, hey, up there. <laughs> thank I'm you ready for telling the me level. I need to level up. Now, what the fuck do I do? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I remember thinking that, especially when. I was, you know, freshly divorced and I had a lot of emotion going through me. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, what, what do you mean? I'm supposed to like, how do I take care of myself? And I did all the things I, I got my mani pedi. I, uh, got a nice haircut. I bought a mask, you know, a couple times a week, put it on my face. Like I, in my head, that was self-care that was leveling up and, and I tried, but yeah. miraculously, it did not change my heart. <laughs> Go yeah. figure. <laughs> exactly. Your heart or your mental health or your emotional health or. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Having pretty nails and toes and wearing cute little panties and bras, you know, they match. Yeah. Those are, those are good. Like my mom says, hyacinth for the soul. But are you really healing your soul? 
Right. Are those just pretty little band-aids to exactly. and underneath? Are you treating the actual wounds? Are you treating the actual, the actual traumas, the actual, are you making the next necessary corrections? Right. Right. Because ultimately, I mean, all of us can look like a great package on the outside, but ultimately if you're not fixing those inside things and having some really hard conversations with yourself, then your ugliness will somehow come to bite you in the ass. Oh, I am a perfect walking fucking example of that. And I'm a blunt ass person. So I, I will own that shit right now. I got divorced. I was 40 years old. I went from, you know, being 65 pounds, 70 pounds overweight. I got down got my body back, got my figure back, lost 70 pounds because I lost the 70 pounds, I lost the boobs. So I went and purchased those bitches and got them black <laughs> where they were supposed to be. I looked phenomenal. Like I was like, holy shit, I'm on fire. You know what was on fire? My inside. I was a fucking train wreck on the inside. A wow. fucking train wreck. But I could walk into a room and, and get any person I wanted within my age range. Well, I, (laughs) 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 okay. That was the funniest thing you've said all day. (laughs) Clarification. The age range is, um, 22 to, I don't know. What's your top 51. Jesus so as long as we're clear about the age range, then that was not an incorrect statement. You could get anyone within your age range. As soon as that left my lips, I was like, you fucking liar. <laughs> it's not untrue. We just have to be clear that your age range is, it, it spans a few decades. And you know what? That's okay. Ages <laughs> thirty years. Age is just a number, right? <laughs> I, you know, I could, I could flirt with anyone within my age range of thirty years. <laughs> so you were a busy ass person when you entered that room because that probably covers oh, most God. of the room. <laughs> but when I finally started talking to people and dating people, I was a fucking mess. I was a fucking mess and that I, I didn't quickly realize that, but I, I had to realize that like mm-hmm. I met so many nice people, so many, I went out with so many guys that were just really good, decent guys. And because I was such a fucked up mess on the inside, it was never going to work, hmm. never going to work. And so you can be whatever, and I'm I'm not being conceited and saying, oh, I was drop dead gorgeous. I was not the prettiest girl in the room, but I was prettier to me than what I had been whenever I was 70 pounds. You know what I mean? Like right. I got, you felt confident for I the first did time. It for the first yeah, time. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this is it. This is that pretty package. No, no, the pre- the prettiness is not on the outside, baby girl. The prettiness is also on the inside. Like it's it's all the way through. And I was not pretty on the inside at that time. Right. And I, right. I learned that the really hard way, really hard. And I, I, I think that's just so normal though, because a lot of people for whatever reason, can't, don't, won't work on their issues inside. Maybe it's too painful. Maybe they don't know how, maybe they 
you know, whatever the reason. So they are gorgeous on the outside, but it takes five minutes of talking to them to realize that they're a train wreck on the inside. Right. Yeah. I think that's probably more common than a person who is gorgeous on the outside and at peace with themselves on the inside. Oh, I would fully agree with that. Fully agree with that. It is a lot more common than finding that just overall well-rounded person because I think it's getting better as information is more uh, accessible to us. Uh I I would agree. I think we are moving in the right direction and it is getting better um, where people are starting to really realize that there's a big movement to heal yourself from the inside out. And I, I love that movement, but the work to get there it's like you said, it, it's, it's hard and it's traumatizing. Opening up those, those doors that um, make you a train wreck uh-huh. um, and, and make you ugly on the inside, opening up those doors and facing them is probably one of the hardest things that I've ever done. And I've done a lot of hard shit because then uh-huh. I had to face each and every one of those demons and I can't change the the person or the other person that was involved in that. I can't, I have no responsibility to them whatsoever. I can't go back and fix that. But what part did I play in that? Uh What was my role in that? What did I allow to happen to me? What did I, what kind of life was I living? What choices were I making? Uh, Was I making where I put myself in those positions? I had to face Uh all of those demons and you know, it fucking sucks. Oh, it's 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 so hard. It, it's one thing to, and you're right. Like there is a whole lot of conversation going on. I think I I hear some form of toxic behavior or um, generational curse. You know, yep. daily. I I hear it all over the place, and it's great that they're becoming buzzwords. But just like we discussed the the term narcissist in an earlier episode. I think they're becoming buzzwords, but a lot of people don't understand them. It, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, this is my toxic behavior. Okay, that's the first step. That's great that you can now see that about yourself. But welcome to the hard part where now you have to plow right into everything in your life that gave you that toxic behavior. Sometimes it goes all the way back to childhood and that shit can be painful. Yep. And you have to confront things about yourself, your family, your friends, so many things, and then walk right through that. You can't just say, this is my toxic behavior and then it's going to go away. Right. You, you have to be able to say, this is why I am like I am. And now I'm going to learn how to come out on the other side so that I heal myself from that. And that is fucking hard work. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh man, it takes, I mean, blood, sweat and tears in every sense of, of that expression. Oh, yeah. It take, you know, it, it'll knock you to your knees. And so it's good that people are talking about it. I just hope that more and more people follow through and do make it out on the other side because I think collectively we just need to be better with our mental health. And, you know, you see that all over the place right now in, in so many different ways. And uh, I hope that they continue to be buzzwords, but that they're buzzwords because people are learning about them and digging deep into them, you know? Right. And, and like you said, it'll knock you on your knees, but it's worth 
the journey. It's it's worth the 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 trauma to to go back into that trash and sort it out and clean it out. And I compare it to um and I don't know maybe you won't agree with this or maybe someone our listeners won't agree with this, but going into like a, I've had a family member where I've had to go into their house and they were a hoarder and I did not want to go in there. It was it was dirty and it was filthy and it was gross and it was hard, but I loved that person. I loved that person and they were at the point where they needed help. They couldn't do it on their own. And so I had to go in there and do take that journey with them. You have to be, do you love yourself enough to take that journey? Uh-huh. You have to do the, the gross, hard, trashy, filthy, traumatic journey to clean all that shit out because what's left after that is is a brand new you and the right. you, and the you that you probably should have always been. Yes, yes. You probably should have always been, but all of this trash just built up and built up and built up and just absolutely su- threatened to suffocate you and you got to clean out your room. You got to clean out yeah. all of that. I recently saw a quote about that and I don't remember the exact quote or who said it, but it was something along those same lines about uh, life isn't um, becoming who you were meant to be. It's about removing who you aren't. Right. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. And, and that just resonated a ton with me because I think, you know, whether it's society or bad relationships, or so many different factors that, that just change us over time. And ultimately, you know, when you start doing this hard work and dealing with your own behaviors, you realize, wait, I don't even like that. Like, I don't even think that's part of my personality, but yet you've been carrying it for whatever reason. So you start shedding those things and then it's, it's hard work, but it's worth every single second of it. Because when you get on the other side, you're just at this peace and happiness with yourself where in the weirdest, nerdiest way possible, it's almost like a force field that you build around yourself. Because once you're there, once you're, you're past that work of of the toxicity and shedding yourself of that you're so at peace and so happy with yourself that and you free. just build this this yeah and free and and you build this wall of like oh nope <laughs> i can feel you coming a mile away you are not good you are not getting past this force field right you know and and you you start putting up boundaries and protecting yourself because being happy and and at peace with yourself is it just trumps anything else. And you start seeing those red flags and that bad energy and things that aren't good for you. So it's hard work, but once you get there and and I'm not saying I'm there, I I still have shit tons of work to do, but I've done a lot of work. And so for the places where I can speak to this, once you're there, it's worth every single tear ever. Oh yeah. Once you declutter your soul, you recognize the clutter in everyone else's soul. And, so, ooh, and potential mates. That that is a really good way to put that. So yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. I can see other people's toxic behavior almost instantly. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So let's briefly talk because I, I know we're we're coming to the end, but let's briefly talk about some examples, some specifics for our, our listeners. Um the one that I'll start with, one of the things that you can do to better yourself within the relationship is 
So say you're in a, I've been in this situation before where maybe you're not fulfilled romantically, you know, maybe the romance isn't there, whether that's sexual or just, you know, um, romantic acts or, um, gestures. Uh Are you communicating with that, that to, to the person? Are you communicating that you're not happy, you know, happy and fulfilled romantically? Do you, you've got to, first of all, search within your soul and what are the things that you need to be, to, to be fulfilled? Do you even know what those are? You've got to know those things. And now you've right. got to be able to communicate that to your partner because your partner, they can be with you, like we've said, 20 years and still there are parts that they don't know about you, just like there are parts that you don't know about them. So are you communicating that to each other? Are you saying, hey, in a healthy, happy situation, this is what I need uh-huh. romantically? And what do at the same time, what do you need from me? Right. One of the things I would put on that list is do some soul searching about romance because romance is a huge part of a relationship. Oh, it's instrumental. I mean, otherwise you're just cohabitating with a roommate, like uh, maybe a best friend at best, you know, but sometimes not even that. No, you, you have to have the romance. And I think if I were to reflect on my own marriage, I, I don't know if I ever was very clear about like what I liked or expected or wanted. Yeah, you have to be able to to state what makes you happy, even if it's little things, you know, but you you can't expect someone to just know. Like I really I really need a hug right now. Well, they don't know that. Tell them, you know. <laughs> exactly, tell them. And if you can't tell them, then that's something to make note of as well. That's you know? true. While you're doing all of this soul searching and while you're setting your, your, your needs out and you're understanding and learning your own needs, uh-huh. if they're not receptive to those, then that's, that's a learning journey as well. Oh yeah. That, that's very true. That goes under the red flag category yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. you, you should be able to express yourself. Exactly. Completely mm-hmm. at all times. Yep. Um, Even about the hardship. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. At all times. And I will go a step further and to say that don't address hardships and they're naturally arguments are going to naturally happen, but put a pin in it. If it's, if it's going to eat you alive, put a pin in it, Uh take a beat, choose a moment where y'all are on a really good, healthy note. You're having a really good, healthy conversation and then approach it in a way of, Hey babe, we're really good right now and we're making such progress. And I don't, I don't remember. I can't, I don't remember who it was. So I can't give credit to it. The, the, the sandwich theory where you start with something really, really wonderful and uh-huh. you talk about the hardships in between and you end with something really, really wonderful. So you can come to them. There's someone that actually came up with that whole concept called the sandwich theory where you say we were in a good, we're in a good position. We're in a healthy relationship and I love the direction that we're going. Um, do you mind if we take a moment since we're in such a good place right now that we talk about a couple, maybe I bring up one, you bring up one where we talk about some things that are troubling us and we discuss uh-huh. those in a healthy way. And then you get into it and you discuss it. You keep a level head. Maybe you even, you know, have, a couple of you know giggles or a cry or whatever over it and then at the end of it you've heard each other you understand each other i'm there for you babe 
you know what? Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I felt safe having this conversation with you. You are my person. You're the person I want to be with for the rest of my life. So Mm -hmm. it is so important that we have these safe talks where we can open up and truly be a hundred percent ourselves. I love you. I love you too. And you move forward. And then you skip off into the sunset. Yeah. I I think that seriously, that's exactly how it should be. That is healthy. And for those of you out there listening who don't know couples that do this, it exists. I've seen it in action. Well, I mean, Fina and her husband do it, but also outside of them, I've seen it in action and it, it is healthy and absolutely necessary that you can do that, that you can sit down with your person and say the hard stuff and know that you're going to come out of that conversation being heard, being understood, and with a plan of of how to handle it in the future. Because so many, I think, arguments are just, let me scream why I'm unhappy. Okay, you scream while you're unhappy. Okay, we're done. Let's Let's yeah. go cool off. And, and nothing then gets nothing. Exactly. Exactly. And then you just add that to the list of things that's ultimately going to drive the biggest wedge between you that you can't undo it. Right. Yeah. So I would say open communication about romance and about everything is absolutely at the top. Oh, yeah. Of all of that leveling up. Because that's such a huge part of leveling up is is understanding what you want. And being able to communicate that to the other person in your life without blaming them, without saying, you don't do this. Just just stating, this is what I need. Thank you for figuring out how to give it to me, you know, basically. Right. Yeah. It we've got we've got to stop expecting our partners to be mind readers. We've got uh-huh. to stop expecting our partners to know how to fix it because we don't know what their background or their bringing up has taught them. If we want something and we want an outcome, we have to be able to communicate that effectively and be in a relationship with a partner who is willing to listen to it and also correct those things. But at the same time, we have to be open to corrections that we might need Uh to make for them. That is in essence, a healthy relationship, but because we are so knowledgeable with information and information is flying at us and the standards are very, very high in relationships nowadays because of all of this, uh-huh. we have to be in a relationship with someone that we can be a hundred percent honest and open with, but make sure that those hard discussions are done when you're in a healthy moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The heat of the moment is not the time to be bringing shit up. No, that's the time to say, you know what? I'm mad at you. I'm putting a fucking pin in it. And we'll discuss this next week when we're in a better place. (laughs) Until then, come here and give me a hug because I need one right now because otherwise I'm going to hurt you. And then you, you get your hug. Honestly, like I say that in a funny way, but I think the best moments or the thing that I truly appreciate my husband is when I am spitfire mad and I am a raging storm. I know that's shocking to think that I'll <laughs> ever be a raging storm, but when I'm in a, a raging storm, my husband will um, come in and just like give me a hug and uh-huh. I will be so fucking mad that he's there hugging me <laughs> and he'll say, just let it go. 
just let it go. We'll talk about this later, but just let it go. And I will, I will just sit there in silence. And then he knows, and I, I actually can feel the moment that I let go of everything. And then uh -huh. my arms come up and I hug him back and I can physically feel that stress relieve me. And we'll discuss it later on, maybe in a couple of days, maybe later that day, whatever. But in that moment, he knows that that's not the moment to discuss it. Cause that's uh -huh. the moment where Vina is on, she's on that ledge and she's about to fucking jump. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's got such a, good even energy about that because i i've been witness to a couple of those <laughs> and uh yeah i mean you know not that it happens often not that you're fiery i'm not saying that at all <laughs> but <laughs> i mean every once in a while yeah yeah, you know, a couple times a year or whatever. And I have watched him. He just stays so even and uh and then gets you to calm down and quietly exits the room. <laughs> At least when I when I'm there. When I'm there. I don't know what he does when I'm not there, but when I'm there, he just kind of like backs out. He's like, Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. see y'all later. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, yeah. And he wasn't always like that. But he, for whatever reason, made that change in himself that awesome. he, he doesn't push me because I'm that type of person that once I get mad, if you keep pushing, I'm going to get madder. And if mm -hmm. you keep pushing, I promise you, I will be more mad than you ever fucking thought about being. So right, right. He, he learned and and he was actually that way as well. And so it was like we were both trying to one up each other on who was the more, you know, mad person. And yeah. he was the one that made that switch in himself to help me or us to get to that point where, okay, we're not discussing this right now because we're both raging mad. So uh -huh. I'm going to take it. We'll discuss it later. And then we we now can discuss it in a healthy way. And like I said, those first few years were not like that. So I don't want everyone to think that we just ended up in this beautiful relationship. It was a lot of hard fucking work, a couple of breakups. Mm -hmm. um, we, you know, it, it was hard. It was hard. Yeah, it was hard. But like we were talking about earlier, whether you're leveling up together on your own, once you get through the hard, it just gets easier and easier and easier with every step, you know? Oh yeah. Uh, we talk about yeah. some shit that we have actually said this. We've talked about stuff and ended up laughing about it and it being a very good, wholesome, um, productive conversation. And at the end of it, we've actually said to each other it, more often than not, wow, five years ago, this would have been a fucked up mess. And we would laugh about that. <laughs> You know, then we would, we would even laugh about the fact that that five years ago, this probably would have, you know, had one of us packing or one of us, you know, threatened to pack. But uh -huh. because we've made those necessary changes within the relationship, now now it's funny. You know, now we have those hard conversations, and at the end of it, we're like, "He, this would have broken us up five years ago." <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm learning from myself that. And, and this relationship that, oh, like, oh, okay, this, this is what this is. Like, this is yeah. what a healthy relationship is. And it is, it's beautiful. Like, I am so thankful for it and uh -huh. humbled by it. 
and do try. I actually literally tried very hard not to take it for granted because I know what we have and uh -huh. I've had, both of us have had different. So I'm very, very thankful for it. That's awesome. That That's awesome that neither of you, I, I don't think will ever take it for granted. No, no. Yeah. Well, so communication. Yes. Definitely. Yes. Romantically and otherwise. What else? What else do you think it gets included in uh, in leveling up? Um, I think lear learning to communicate and learning to have boundaries. If you came out of a place where you didn't have any boundaries, I think that's super important part of communication. What else? Um, definitely think that you, if you've had a traumatic past or if there are demons that haunt you, um, you definitely, for your own mental health, your own emotional health, and for the health of your relationship, you have to go back and address those things. You cannot, you cannot just keep going forward and, and, you know, maybe you can, but I think it's a very small percentage of people that, that cannot let their past creep in on certain situations. Right. So I do think that you need to, to be very proactive and, and active in your own mental and emotional health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think one thing I learned in that journey with myself is, uh, so I started out in therapy right away because I, I knew I had just come out of a mess and, and I worked through a lot of things in therapy, but one thing that I never realized, you know, ther well, at least the therapist I've had throughout my life always ask about my childhood. And I was like, no, I had a beautiful childhood. Like my parents loved each other. We went on family vacations. I watched them just be great examples, great people. And so then when it, it, it came to things like, you know, all these buzzwords like childhood trauma and how your, your inner child affects who you are today, I was like, well, that's not part of me. I grew up in a great family. But then I started listening to podcasts and reading books and realizing that it doesn't have to be like this major trauma that happened to you when you were a child. It could just be that something was a little bit off for you. For, so for example, in my case, my parents both worked because that's what you did. Mm -hmm. And and my dad had a crazy schedule and my mom was at work. So we spent a lot of time alone, my, my brother and I, after school, which was fine. I think that's what happened. You know, latchkey kids for so many of us, that, right. that's, that's how it is. But then when we did spend time together, once everybody finally got home, we, we did a lot of like watch Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy together. So we didn't do a whole lot of, of communicating or quality time. So down the line, I read the five love languages and, you know, took the quiz and all of that. And I, I realized that physical touch and quality time are, are my top two love languages. And then I started reflecting on my childhood and we weren't super affectionate. We weren't super, you know, huggy. And quality time is something that we spent sometimes together, but most of the time it was just sitting in front of the TV. Right. And so I realized that not having those needs met, even though I don't fault my parents at all, I know they did absolutely the best they could, but not having those needs met made me look for those needs in guys that I was dating and ultimately just led to, you know, a whole domino effect of, of 
how I ended up where I ended up. And so that was an interesting journey for me. So it was a combination of therapy and reading some books and listening to some podcasts and really digging into those things and, and realizing that sometimes the healing isn't from, you know, a, a major traumatic life event. Sometimes it's just realizing that maybe for whatever reason, your needs weren't met. And that's why you go forward and, and look for someone else to meet those needs. Uh, I fully agree because I think that there is such a, there's such a need to say, oh, I had this major traumatic past. And for me, I did, but yeah, you not, did for sure. everybody does. And so it is very easy for someone like you and people that are like you to not to think, oh, well, I had a fine childhood, but like you just expressed your love languages as wonderful as your parents were, they didn't know to care about your love languages and you uh -uh. didn't know to care about your love languages and inevitably your love languages were not met. Right. And, and that, that played a big role in, in many of the choices that you, you made. And we, we are, especially Gen Xers are from a generation of parents that they didn't talk to us about everything. They didn't, right. the communication and, and teaching, they thought teaching us how to be adults was hard work, do your chores, that basic level stuff. But they didn't teach us about all the different intricate nuances of relationships and uh -huh. you know what happens during arguments and you know a lot of parents even hid their arguments from their kids for for my ex that was what it was like he never oh, saw yeah. his parents argue so he didn't know how to argue effectively and so right there there are when we say mental health from your past and emotional health from your past it can be as bad as what my childhood was or it could be something as simple as your love languages just weren't met, but you had wonderful parents or exactly. parents didn't teach you how to argue with your significant other effectively, or it, it, there's a whole spectrum, but you still need to make sure that you're a healthy package, period. Right. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that, that you have to put any fault on it you know, your parents or anyone right. else in your life. It just means that you have to recognize how that led into you developing certain habits or looking for certain things outside of yourself. Right. I would say that um, one of the last things that I would definitely put on the list and, and we're only going to touch on topics that are like super, super important, but everyone's going to have different topics that are important to them uh -huh. and that apply to them. But one of the things that, played a huge role in my relationship that is, is always at the top of my list is um, personal health and care in the, we've talked about mental. Now we're going to talk about the physical. And the reason why it plays an important role um, in my list is because I, I ate my emotions and I let myself go and I got lost in the, the, the version of me that I became in my marriage. I, I am a sporty person. I love playing sports. Like right now I, at 47 years old, I play, I decided to, I play sand volleyball. I play full contact rugby. Like I am just a sporty person. But whenever I was uh -huh. married, 
I was a mom and a wife and that was my role. And that's what I told was my role. That's what I believed was my role. And I didn't take care of myself physically. I didn't stay active. I didn't um, care what I didn't do personal grooming. Like, I mean, I was clean and I was, you know, wore makeup and, you know, right, right. Cared about style and all of that. But I'll be honest, I was in a relationship and I, I didn't care about, you know, doing the latest and greatest things and, you know, cared about landscaping and things like that. So I basically, especially once I got unhappy, I mean, I got, I was big whenever I was happy, I was big and happy. And then uh-huh. once I became unhappy, I got big, bigger because I ate my emotions. And by that time I was so lost within myself that I didn't take care of myself. And, and if I'm not happy within my own body and when I look in the mirror and, and I feel nothing but disdain, how uh-huh. can I expect my husband to be attracted to that? If I feel no love for myself when I look in a mirror, you know, right. so I, I'm a big advocate on, I don't care what size you are. I don't care. But if you are not happy with yourself in a mirror, then how do you expect your significant other to be happy with you? And they may be, they may be, but I, even in those moments, like there are times where I, I wasn't happy with my body and a person could, that I love could literally say, Oh my God, you're the most beautiful person in the world. That's not what I see. And that's not what I feel. And that's not going to allow me to be confident with myself in sexual relationships. It's not, I am, I am more confident in the bedroom and in that aspect. Once I took back my physical health. Uh huh. So that's kind of what I'm talking about. No matter what that physical health looks like to you, to an individual, if you right. aren't comfortable in your shell, that's that's going to play a role in in that romantic life and that in that absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and that's not putting a a size or a shape or anything to the word comfortable, it, but whatever you are comfortable with, if you don't have that self-worth attached to it then it it just affects everything i mean like you said it's all about confidence confidence can can come however it comes i mean look at lizzo that woman was confident as hell so it's not necessarily you know attached to a size it's not a size but it's attached to taking care of yourself physically and wanting the best for your body so that you feel good. I definitely agree. And that's why I said, whatever it, it looks like to you, uh-huh. it, it, there, there's not a size attached, but if you are not comfortable in your own shell, then that is going to play a role in the bedroom and in your, your physicality with your significant other. You say it's not, and maybe in a certain small percentage it's not but i've known enough people that it did play a role if you do not feel sexy you're not going to be sexy like right. you're i cannot and and i've talked to other people and it seems to be and the people that i've talked to and i've talked to many that seems to be the overall feeling is that well i don't feel sexy so therefore i can't really be sexy for him okay uh-huh. well then what are we doing to make 
ourselves feel sexy to ourselves so that we can turn it on a little bit because it can't, and I'm only going to talk about straight couples in this comment, but it can't always be the men that are initiating. Right, right. It, it cannot always be the men that are initiating. They like for us to initiate too. They like for us to to walk in and just our panties or, you know, they like whatever. But if you're not confident in your body, then you are not going to be confident to walk in, you know, and in just your panties or you're not going to be confident mm -hmm. enough to try new things like sex with the lights on and, you know, whatever. So that's kind of what I'm talking about is that you, whatever that looks like to you, whatever that is to get you confident in yourself to uh -huh. where you understand that you are this own your shit, own your sexuality, do whatever you need to do so that you can heat it up. It can yeah. always be on the other person. Right. For sure. And, and I also think that it goes hand in hand. Uh, the mental health aspect of it is so important yeah. because when you're happy, confident, and understand your self-worth on the inside, you want your outside to reflect that. You want to take care of yourself. You want to make sure that you're feeding your body properly, that you're getting the right exercise, that you're taking care of your heart, that you're doing everything that you can do to, to be the healthiest version of yourself, yeah. to love yourself in every way possible, mentally and physically. Yeah. 100, 100% agree mm -hmm. with that. Well, I think that is a good list um, to begin with, to get, you know, people at least going in the right direction. And maybe it uh -huh. sparked a few other ideas within them that they hadn't thought about. And um, and like we said, we when we do these episodes, we never do them in a preachy way that is, we're going to tell you this, but we haven't lived them. We are telling you this because we've experienced them. Because it, it's almost like we're telling you, like we tell our kids, I've done the hard shit. I'm trying to protect you from the hard shit. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Between what you and I have gone through and the people that we've talked to, I think we have a, our minds wrapped around it pretty well. So it, it's just suggestion. You know, it's, it's never coming from a, a soapbox sort of place. But at the same time, it, we have been there and we have done that. So we've learned a, a thing or two along the way. And and so I think it's important that we all have these conversations and share it. And as far as like what I read and podcasts that I listen to or anything, slide into our DMs. Ask us if you have specific questions because between the two of us, we, uh, we've been down different roads and and have a decent amount of experience that we can share so hit us up and ask us and we would be glad to share any ideas or suggestions with you yes we would and thank you for listening um episode 22 and we will see you back for episode 23 yes we will have a good one bye bye